Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew 8, 14, or 8, 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Next scripture is Matthew 8, 14 through 17. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and she began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and he healed all the sick. This is to, feel, this is to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Well, good morning, everybody, and I, again, I want to thank our students that uh, shared both services, and I noticed there's some different ones shared in the first service to this, this one, uh, and I want to say to you kids, you know, you, uh, you sacrificed a week of video games, and uh, you learned a lot about loving one another, and you uh, sweated in the name of Jesus. That's a good mission trip right there, so I'm so proud of you. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you remember, if you were here, our finance chair, Jeff Burnett, told us about he had every confidence that Faith Westwood would be able to meet a certain financial challenge. And he explained that, you know, we have some folks in our church that are not coming back after the pandemic. And because of that, it's leaving us in about an $80,000 hole as we're looking at finishing the ministry fund this year. Well, last week, Someone here from our church came up to me and said, would it be okay if I gave $40,000 as a matching gift and you could challenge the congregation to raise the other $40,000? I said, yes, and thank you. <laughs> so a letter from me went out in the mail on Thursday. A few of you have already gotten it, I know, because I saw some people putting their return envelopes in. And we're participating in the Ministry Fund Matching Challenge. We have till the end of August to uh, participate, decide what we're going to do. Uh, and, you know, I would love to see us, between the original gift and the matching gifts, uh, be able to, to reach the full 80000 And if we get closer to 100000 that would even be better. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said that the Holy Spirit would remind us of your words and would lead us into truth. And so we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. Teach us the words of Jesus. Lead us into truth. And all God's people said, amen. Well, this is the last Sunday in our series we're calling Offshoots, 
And if you're new here today, let me fill you in what we've been doing. Uh, the first Sunday in July, we talked about the ideology called Christian nationalism. Then we jumped to other offshoots religions of the Christian faith. Uh, we talked about Mormonism and then Seventh-day Adventists. And today the message is, what does Christian science teach? Have you heard of Christian science? Uh, and my, my aim, I want you to know, I'm not here to put anybody down. I'm not here to put any religion down. But I also know that, for example, Jesus uh, warned his disciples to avoid the legalism of the Pharisees. And, and the Apostle Paul warned his churches about false teachers bringing a different gospel. And so I feel that I have a responsibility at times to warn you so that you are not led astray. Our theme verse for this series is Titus chapter 1, verse 9, and this is in the Contemporary English Bible. It says, they, which could mean you and I, they must pay attention to the reliable message as it has been taught to them so that they can encourage people with healthy instruction and refute those who speak against it. I want you to know, I'm not saying that every person in these offshoot religions won't be saved. I mean, who am I to know? Deciding someone's eternal destiny, that's God's job. Way out of my league. Only God can perfectly balance justice and mercy. I am saying, though, that the way I see these offshoot faiths, some of them, is that the good news gets buried in an avalanche of non-biblical teaching. And so my purpose isn't just for, not to, you know, diss anybody else, but I think it helps us clarify what we believe. That's why we're doing it. Now, there are three Christian science churches in Omaha. Did you know that? And there's a Christian science reading room uh, not far from downtown. We also know the denomination by their newspaper called the Christian Science Monitor. Uh, a few days ago, this was in the news this week, a few days ago, billionaire Jeff Bezos and a few of his friends blasted off from the launch pad and rode uh, a rocket 66 miles up to the edge of space. And I say, any billionaire that wants to take me along next time, just let me know. Christian science uses the language of Christianity as a launch pad and blasts off with its unique beliefs about faith and healing. Personally, that's a trip I won't be taking. In our scripture reading this morning, we heard about uh, two of Jesus' healings that Larry read for us. The first was the man with leprosy. Second was the, the woman with the fever. And, and one thing you might notice about this, these passages, and it's true with Jesus throughout all four of the Gospels, and it's the heart of today's message. So here it is. Jesus never blamed the sick person or their loved ones for not having enough faith. And neither do we. Make sense? Sometimes Jesus did praise their faith or the loved one's faith, but he never said that their sickness was due to a lack of faith. Unfortunately, um, in Christian science, the sick 
and their loved ones often receive blame or feel guilty for not having enough faith. Now, where did Christian science come from? Christian science was founded in the late 1800s by a woman named Mary Baker Eddy. Have you heard of that name? Mary Baker Eddy. Let me tell you her story. Mary was the youngest of six children in a family that attended a congregational church in New Hampshire. Young Mary was sick a lot. Uh, at times, you know, falling to the ground, writhing and screaming. Other times, silent and unconscious. And this could last for hours. Mary said that as a girl, she had chronic indigestion, and so she was often weak from not eating well. In her early 20s, uh, she married her first husband, who died six months later. Five years after that, her new fiancé died. A few years later, she married a dentist. He lived. During this time, Mary, though, remained sick a lot. Seven years into their marriage, her, con her husband contacted Phineas Quimby, a hypnotist. Back then, they called him a mesmerist. Quimby claimed to be able to cure people without medicine. Could Quimby heal Mary's ailments? Well, improvements in Mary's health did not last long from Quimby's treatments, but she came to believe that his approach was what Jesus did, she wanted to perfect it. And the two had long discussions about his techniques of healing the body with the mind. Mary Baker Eddy is the one who added the religious components to his methods. The Really, the transforming event of her life, though, happened when she was 34 years old, uh, living in Massachusetts in 1866. Mary fell on the ice hard, injured her spine. She was put in bed to recover, and she had, was suffering from these terrible back spasms. Three days later, she asked for somebody to bring her a Bible, and she read about Jesus healing a paralyzed man, who, and the man, remember the story, he got up and, and walked and, and went home. Well, she just believed that she was receiving that same healing. She got up, she got dressed, she felt better than ever. Some believed it was a miracle. Some believed she hadn't been injured all that badly in the first place. For the next three years, she devoted herself to studying the Bible and developing what she called Christian science. Since Jesus didn't use medicines, her method didn't either. She wanted to use the power of her mind plugged into the mind of God. Mary Baker Eddy divorced her second husband, and she kind of roomed then with various friends for a while. Uh, some of these friends were into seances. Uh, sometimes she joined in. And in one case, uh, she was in a trance talking to her dead brother. Other times she would act as a medium speaking for the dead. I mean, this is the kind of stuff the, the scriptures say, we don't go there. By her early 50s, she completed writing her book. Said she'd been working on it for years, entitled Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures. In her book, she says that the key to healing is to realize that matter is not real. We do not have physical bodies. 
Therefore, we can be healed simply by convincing ourselves of that fact. If our bodies are an illusion, then so is illness. We can become well by believing we are well. Uh, she uh, first published, the first edition published a thousand copies of her book. In later editions, extra chapters were added, including one with testimonies of those who claimed to have been healed just from reading her book. Well, she got married again, this time to Gilbert Eddy, and so hence the name Mary Baker Eddy. Mary, though, she had, she had poor fortune with marriage. Gilbert died five years later. In 1879, she chartered her own church called the Church of Christ Scientist. Her students spread across the, across the country practicing her healing methods. Eddie authorized them. She called them Christian science practitioners, and they were supposed to be paid by those they prayed for. Now, Christian science has a unique method of prayer for healing. You don't ask God to heal you. Isn't that interesting? You don't ask God to heal you. Prayer is talking yourself into believing that matter does not exist and that illness is an illusion. In other words, you cannot trust your senses. Instead, you focus on how everything in the universe is, is not real, not material, and on God, who is, in their view, sort of a great impersonal mind. Now, I will tell you, you cannot find these beliefs in the Bible. Remember the verse, um, first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and I believe that we are supposed to mean, to understand that that means that it was material, a material creation. Uh, Jesus was born and took on a, a human physical body, uh, John 1.14 says that Jesus was the Word become flesh. When Jesus appeared to his disciples following his resurrection, they wondered if he was a ghost. So he invited them to touch his crucifixion wounds. He said, a ghost does not have flesh and blood as you see I have. Jesus is telling them to trust their senses that he is physically real, and so are they. Christian science teaches that evil sin and sickness exist only if we allow them to exist by believing that they're real. And yet, when the leprous man approached Jesus and got on his knees, he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus reached out his hand and touched him saying, I do want to become clean. Instantly, his skin disease was cleansed. Notice the physical touch. And Jesus did not say, your leprosy is an illusion and I can heal it with the power of my mind. He just said, be clean. Now, we know Jesus didn't always touch people when he healed them. Sometimes he did. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. Matthew 8, 15 says... He touched her, and the fever left her. You see, Christianity is a tactile faith. 
We believe in the physical. We believe in a material world. Mary Baker Eddy believed that not only could you heal with your mind, you could also harm with your mind. She called it malicious animal magnetism. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Malicious animal magnetism. It means you can intentionally think bad thoughts about someone and make them sick. Eddie said that her husband, Gilbert, died that way. She called it a mental assassination. Whoa. Christian science believers are known to try to avoid taking medication. It's because if you take medication, then what you're doing is admitting that the illness is real. They prefer to go to Christian science practitioners who have been trained in Eddie's methods. But, you know, Christian science believers sometimes accommodate to their physical infirmities. Uh, if they have trouble seeing and if Christian science hasn't been able to improve their vision, many of them will get glasses. Uh, if they have a joint injury, they may wait a long time before they go to the doctor, but at some point, a lot of them will. They'll go to the doctor, get it checked out. Some of them will get treatment, some of them may not. Christian science members have been historically reluctant to get vaccinated unless the law requires it, and then they will. I will tell you, though, surgery is an especially hard step for someone in Christian science to take. Many years ago, I, I attended a Christian science church service, and uh, it included, you know, songs. Songs seemed fine, um, hymns. We, uh, someone read from the C King James Version of the Bible, and then the same person read from Mary Baker Eddy's book, Science and Health. The most interesting part of the service, though, was after all that, and, and people stood up and gave testimonies. I think that day there, were, there was a small crowd and there were only two people, but one woman was in her 70s, and she stood up and said that when she was young, and I think she said she was 16, she was invited to a Christian science meeting, and she was so impressed by how healthy everybody looked. She wanted to be around these people. Many Christian science services uh, include test, maybe somebody will stand up and give a testimony about their healing. Now, if you've known Christian science people as I have, you know they don't like to talk about their ailments. They say talking about it gives it power to become more real. That's why you don't hear them speak very much about their aches and pains. Maybe you know someone who needs to talk a little less about their aches and pains. <laughs> and if people in Christian science do speak of their illness, they always give it a positive spin, saying, well, it's getting better. And in the way I see it is that this isn't just the power of positive thinking. I, it can actually come to be a form of denial. One former Christian uh, science believer named Crystal says that when she was a girl in fourth grade, she got what was like a zit on her cheek. But then a lump grew around it. Now, growing up in Christian science, she said, I was taught that if we prayed properly about it, it would eventually go away. 
but it didn't go away. In fact, it kept growing. And Crystal figured that, you know, she and her family didn't have enough faith. Seven or eight years later, she was 15 years old. Crystal talked her stepmom in taking her to a doctor to get this cyst removed. Might have felt like a failure of faith. But, you know, I don't see it that way. I don't think Jesus sees it that way. Remember, Jesus never blamed the sick person or their loved ones for not having enough faith, and neither do we. Crystal also says that when she got to college, she was in a community college, and and one of her uh, professors had Parkinson's disease. Well, when she came home, probably on break or something, she told her parents about her teacher's Parkinson's. Well, sometime after that, her dad started developing a tremor. It was the first sign of his Parkinson's. She wondered, did I make Parkinson's more real by talking about it to my parents, and that's how my dad got it? I mean, that, that is the logic of Christian science and where it would take you. But we don't believe that. Because we see that Jesus never blamed the sick person or their loved ones for not having enough faith. Neither do we. Crystal's dad went to, uh, uh, he'd been, you know, we went to a Christian science practitioner to try to heal his thumb tremor. And a few years later, uh, the practitioner blamed him because it wasn't healed yet. Christian, uh, Crystal's dad was also a lifelong usher at his Christian science church. But his shaking got so bad that one day his teacher told him, don't come back. He was too distracting. I think that means that his condition didn't fit the healthy image they wanted to present. Again, it was another round of blame the victim. At Faith Westwood, uh, I'm so pleased to say we've got another uh, group of grief shares starting up in a couple of weeks And so many people have been blessed from that and received, uh, you know, moved forward in the grieving process and received healing. I'm so glad that we offer this. But I doubt that you will ever find a grief share group at a Christian science church. And the reason is that in their desire to allow no negative thinking, they practice denial. Denial about death. Denial about grief, about pain, denial about sadness. Now, in Mary Baker Eddy's day, medical science was still pretty young, right? Doctors were kind of hit and miss in their ability to help people, and, and often if you didn't go, if you didn't get any treatment, it was probably just as good as going to see the doctor. And people were looking for help, they were looking for a cure. Christian science offered something that gave them, gave them hope. And so, as you could imagine, this, uh, this church grew very quickly the first uh, several decades. By 1936, there were nearly 270,000 uh, Christian science believers in the United States. But then came penicillin and vaccines and other effective treatments And as a consequence, the allure of Christian science waned. 
A, de a decade ago, uh, 2009, they had fallen to less than 50,000 members in the U.S. Today, many Christian science believers go to the optometrist and the dentist. An obstetrician may deliver their babies. An orthopedic may set their bones. But they also believe that Christian science prayer works best when you don't use medicine. And that means if you do use medicine and you don't get better, well, then it was your fault for not having enough faith. Another interesting thing about Christian science is that it teaches that Jesus is not really different from you or me. He merely achieved the full Christian science faith. No, so they, they can call Jesus a Savior, but when they do that, they don't mean the same thing that we mean, okay? I mean, we, we see Jesus as the, the human divine person who sacrificially atoned for our sins. Mary Baker Eddy said that Jesus is the Savior and that he showed us what we could do. She said that to be saved is to, her quote is, Forsake the foundation of material systems. In other words, salvation is shedding the belief in, in matter and in our physical bodies that they even exist. Salvation means abandoning belief that evil, sin, and sickness are real. So you can maybe begin to understand why I said earlier that Christian science uses the language of Christianity as a launch pad and blasts off with its unique beliefs about faith and healing. Throughout this series on offshoots, I have been praying for you. I've been praying that you will be well grounded in God's word. I pray that you will be mature and strong in your faith and not easily led astray. And if you know someone who's in an offshoot kind of faith, like the ones that we've talked about, um, maybe you'll be able to have a thoughtful discussion with them. Don't argue. Our arguing just is probably not going to do any good for you or them. Just, just be clear. Be clear about what you believe and why, and most of all, love them. Because nobody changes their mind without love, right? Just love them. I think that's what Jesus would do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, illness is such a hard thing for us to understand, and we wish we could pray, and, and everybody would be quickly healed. And, and it just seemed like everybody you attempted to heal, you were successful, and we don't understand why that isn't still the case today. But... Lord, we, we lay ourselves before you and we ask you to help us. Help us, Lord, to understand what doesn't make sense. Help us to not blame ourselves when we get sick or we don't get better. Help us to not blame each other. Lord, give us compassion for ourselves and for one another.
And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gracious gift, and we look forward to the day when you are going to renew heaven and earth and give us our new forever resurrection bodies. We pray in your great name and all God's people said, amen.